All right, everybody, what's up? It is Garrett Anderson coming at you, coming at you, coming at you live, live at you. Tuesday, October 24th, 2017. Uh, let's uh, let's get right into it. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast with Stephen, Stephen, duh, Stephen Nance. Um, he's a cool guy. I enjoyed talking to him. It was really fun to do a phoner. Um, he was in Oregon, and uh, as a musician, he had a little bit of recording equipment at his disposal for his little, you know, home demos and stuff. And I said, hey, man, I think this will work if you just, you know, we'll, we'll just talk to each other on our phones and just each record our sides of the conversation. You mail me your part, and I'll splice it together. And that worked pretty well. I was uh, pleased with the quality. So, uh, you know, fun conversation. I Listening back, I, I would have dug in and kind of pressed him on, on some more interesting details on a few things like his trip to Japan and and stuff but uh but you know we just kind of no pressure conversation just wanted to do a little walkabout with him and and get to know him a little bit and uh it's funny so after we we hung up the phone I was I was going for a walk uh either later that afternoon or the next morning or something and I was noticing more birds around because Stephen told me about his affinity for bird watching in Phoenix and I was like, you know what, that's pretty cool. I should I should try to uh, notice that and appreciate it. Um, so yeah, 11-2, that's a Thursday, November 2nd at the Listening Room Phoenix. Um, tickets are on sale. We're doing a little buy one, get one half off for uh, the early birds that, that do their tickets in advance. And uh, every little bit helps and the support is appreciated. I'm a little nervous about the show. I haven't really been mentally preparing for what to play. I've just been trying to keep up on my musical journey in general, and uh, think I think after I wrap up this podcast, I do want to kind of shift mental gears over towards making sure I can put on the best show possible. Um, you know, a, a, a you know forty-five minute set is different than a three-hour bar gig where you've got time to warm up and get into things and be loose and jam and try different songs and see what's going to work. You know, in a forty-five minute set, I, I really need to make sure I'm bringing my A-game and, and putting on a, a night that I'm happy with and that hopefully folks enjoy. So, uh, so yeah, it's kind of interesting. That whole effort to try to mobilize people to come out and see a show is, has kind of um, made me consider my strategy as far as live performing goes, um, in part because of my other facets of my live music and, and music mission, um, I'm really enjoying this podcast as a, as a platform to deliver music and content and experience for you. Um, and I'm always open to suggestions, but, uh, something that a couple buddies and, and, and my wife were kind of saying was like, you know, you use it to get some music out there. So, um, I think that's pretty cool. And I couldn't really pick what to, what to do. You know, sometimes I have intro and outro music that are just these little voice memo snippets or maybe a old recording. Um, like I used for uh, two podcasts ago, I think was uh, my old band uh, doing Tom Petty at the 8x10, um, You Wreck Me. So a uh, little little shout out to Tom Petty. I didn't really talk about it on the podcast, but uh, RIP to a really good songwriter performer and uh, definitely spun that uh, Full Moon Fever disc many times. It's one of, the, one of the album covers that I have a memory of from like camping with my family and I think one of my aunts and uncles was really into that CD at a time might 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 have been my aunt Peggy or aunt Doreen shout out to the O'Sullivan uh, side of the family 
And I, it was one of those album covers that I remember seeing the CD of. And it was one of the first ones that really like stuck with my memory, um, which is kind of cool. You know, you used to have a, a CD in your car or a couple CDs in your car. And, uh, you know, you'd really get to sit with them and listen to them for a while. Now I'll pull up something on Spotify and give it a couple of listens and kind of move on to the next thing. Little ADD, which, uh, to, you know, doesn't really bode well for myself to try to garner much of an audience without the machine of, of Sony and Universal and Warner Brothers and, and those folks kind of pushing it down people's throats and making it ubiquitous. I'm just doing my own little mom and pop shop thing mom and pop shop thing. Um, just trying to be genuine to myself and really coming to peace with it in the last few weeks. I think I've got a good cadence of productivity. I'm not quite as far as I want to be on many different facets of this journey. Um, I'm working on the home studio recordings and we'll, we'll wrap up today's podcast with my recording of 99 shades of crazy by JJ gray and Mofro, which was a recommendation to me by my mother. So I wanted to make sure to fu- fulfill my mama's request, um, which which circles back to how I'm kind of picking some songs to work on. If uh, if you got anything you'd like for me to take a crack at at the home studio here, um, you know I'd I'd like to take suggestions. It's kind of neat to to go explore some song that I'm not as familiar with, kind of deconstruct it musically, figure out what key to sing it in, um, you know, write down the lyrics. Instead of just looking them up on Google, I've been writing down lyrics of songs that I'm learning so that it's sort of reinforced as I write it down. If I just go look at it and, and read it once or twice, it's not really going to, you know, um, get reinforced. It's kind of like going to school, you know, you got to write it down. Um, taking notes. And what else? So I'd like to, you know, keep working at the home studio game because things are moving along kind of nicely with this producer that I'm working on. And I haven't talked about it in a little while, but a quick update. Um, This guy, JC3, uh, his name's John. His company's called JC3. He has contacts and, and, and has been in this business of getting songs used in film and television and commercial for many, many, many years. That's how he's made his livelihood. And, you know, he, I, I sent him my stuff and we teamed up. He said, Hey man, I, I like what you're doing. You've got some potential and you've got like a, a, a tone to your voice and sort of a style to your writing. Let's collaborate on some stuff and see if we can get some uses for you. And that to me is really, really exciting. Um, being what I would describe as sort of a reluctant live performer um, or, or reluctant at building a fan base in some sort of strategic um, you know, uncompromising sort of way. I recently, and, and, and also with balancing, you know, work-life commitments with family and, and other things that I like to do. Um, you know, I went on a couple long weekend, um, you know, musical experiences and, and I, I might not just have the right kind of personality to go out there and do that night after night. I get a little stir crazy in my head. Um, so, trying to figure out how does this how does this all this effort and all these hours that I've put into becoming a musician and and sort of a my own creative voice what do I do with that and I landed on the idea of trying to get some songs used and it's still a long ways off but uh, me and John have been working on a couple things and you know just sort of even though we're not we're not quite as far along as I would hope. I'm I'm learning how much there is for me to hustle at and how much of it is in my own control and how much 
I need to let go of control of, of some certain things, but really my, my MO of late and, uh, it's been putting a smile on my face is the controlling what you can. And uh, even just the other night, my wife and I were having a, a, a little porch cocktail, uh, while the girls were taking a bath. Uh, we, we could hear them, you know, just in case anybody, uh, parent protective services or something is out there like, what the fuck's wrong with you? No, no, no. We got, you know, my seven-year-old and, and, uh, my five-year-old are in the bath together and they're splashing and laughing and we can hear them. Um, so, uh, we were, we were a moment away, um, which is really as close as you ever are when you're parenting. Like I've kind of thought that before. It's like, I want to be there to make sure my kids are safe, but if tragedy is going to happen, it might happen in like a moment, you know? And, and typically we're, we're a moment away, except for that one time that my daughter was uh, starting to fall down the stairs and I happened to be within a step and I took one step and she, she was like, this was Emma when she was a little baby. She was maybe like one and a half or so toddling around on the stairs, but still not all that sure footed on them. And she started tumbling in her big fat baby head, you know, baby heads comprise so much of their, their mass when they're little, it was coming down first. And I was like, whoop, it took a step, kind of lunged towards her, toward her and, 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 you know, reached out my arm. And before she hit the next landing of the stairs, I was able to just scoop her head up kind of like a fumble on a football field. And I was like, oh my God. And then in that moment too, it's like nothing I could have done could have prepared me to do that. And it's not like I wasn't also going to be doing other things like the dishes and cleaning up and living my own life around the house while my kids are toddling around. Like sometimes you just got to do your own stuff. You're, you're, you know, it would be weird if you were always, um, breathing down their neck. And then even then still, I, I don't know. Yeah. Our job is to grow them to have the facilities to go live their own lives, and it's terrifying. Uh, it's kind of catching up with me. I'm having these moments around the house where I'm like, holy shit, how are we this far along already in terms of the family? Um, but uh, but yeah, so the, the, the overarching theme being, you know, control what you can. So... Um, my wife and I are having this, this cocktail on the patio, having a little date night, um, on a random night, you know, it's like, we, we don't really like to splurge for babysitting too frequently. Although we did recently, we went and saw Blade Runner 2049 and I'll give my little uh, recap of that in a little bit. Um, yeah, we had this whole month of just kind of ha having a mutual crush on Ryan Gosling. <laughs> the fall of 2017, we watched La La Land. He hosted SNL and we like really liked it. We watched it twice. Um, what else? Uh, the, the other day, the notebook was randomly on VH1 and we sat there and just kind of snuggled on the couch and we hadn't planned on making that our like Thursday night, but it turned into that was our Thursday night. We kind of just like snuggled and watched that movie. Although VH1 is a horrible, horrible, horrible channel to watch a movie on. Their, their edits in and out of the movie are really abrupt, and, and the, the shows that they're promoting on VH1 look ridiculous. One was Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart, and they have Halloween costumes on because it's getting close to Halloween. And, uh, oh, it's just, like, really, really just, just horrific. I mean, it just sucks watching a movie on TV with commercials anyway. That's such an old problem for me. I forgot how, how miserable it can be. Same commercials over and over again. Oh, terrible so um yeah what happened to vh1 Ugh. 
Um, and this is, so we watched the notebook with another Ryan Gosling, uh, you know, feature. And then, uh, and then I was like, Hey, we might as well go, like, go all the way with it. And let's go out to the theater and see Ryan Gosling's most recent movie. And, uh, the thought occurred to me that, uh, when is he going to be grown up into Ryan goose? <laughs> but, um, Chang, a cheesy dad and cheesy husband joke there. Um, the kind I love making for my wife, just so she knows that I, I'm, uh, always trying to have a laugh. So my wife goes, she was like, uh, she was talking about things that you can control and things that you can't control. I think probably in the context of, of her work. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, that's like the serenity prayer. And from my Catholic upbringing and sort of my Irish heritage, my Irish Catholic heritage, we have a prayer, um, called the serenity prayer, I think. And it goes something like, God grant me the strength to control what I can, um, the grace to let go of what I can't and the wisdom to know the difference or something along those lines. And, you know, basically like help, help me control what I can and empower me and, and, and give me the courage to be empowered myself to control what I can. And then also give me the sort of understanding to, to deal with what I, what I can't control, um, or, or the kind of forgive me for what I can't control or, uh, help me cope, you know, give me grace, help me through act, you know, things that I can't control. And then the wisdom to know the difference. Um, and those kind of all three work hand in hand toward a contented, happy, you know, maybe joyful if you, if you, if you play your cards right life. So I enjoyed that, that I got to like tap into my tradition and pull something out of it that was relevant in the conversation and also just sort of on my mind now. And of those three, I would say that in the past several weeks, I have drastically increased my scope of what I consider to be in my control. Um, and it's, it's, it's causing some, or, or it's requiring some adventure and some courage. Um, for example, joining the PTO, as I mentioned the other day, I was kind of like, all right, so what's going on with the public school system? Like my daughter's in second grade now, and there is a, a, an, an element to sending your kids to school that's just like, oh yeah, well, I was a student. I remember what it's like, you know, you, you either drop them off or get them on the bus and they go to school and they, they do the school day thing and they come home. And as a parent, it's, it's great if you can help pitch in on making sure that they're doing their homework and, and that they're ready to go for the next day. It's kind of like when your kids go to school, you kind of go to school too. Cause, uh, you know, the, the teacher's going to notice if you're not paying attention and your kid's going to school with like an incomplete folder, you know, four days out of the week. Um, you know, that, that would, it would be unfortunate to have that reflect poorly on me. So I try to avoid that, you know, it's like make some time to catch up on all that. Um, but there's all, but it's also like, you know, you're going to school too and not everyone has the bandwidth to do that. It's kind of a big ask of the public schools and, and I imagine private schools also, if not more so, unless it's just one of those like send away schools and you're just like, I will write you a check. And my child will board at your facility and we will pick them up for spring break. You know, one of those. 
I, I'm so grateful for your prestigious institution. Um, I don't know what kind of accent that is. It's like a hoity-toity accent. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm sending my kid to school and we're doing a pretty good job keeping up with, but, but I'm also hearing things about teachers not being compensated enough. And I see stuff from the PTO about like fundraisers. I'm like, where's the money going? Like, what's this for? Shouldn't the state budget kind of cover, uh, the essentials and the PTO can just kind of be a volunteer like structure, you know, not a fundraising arm. So I, I, and I've still got some questions that I need to get to the bottom of. I know for a fact that my school um, PTO funds have been used to fund field trips, um, technology in the classroom, like uh, iPads for kindergartners to share and little mobile computer desks for the teachers to share. Um, you know, some and those two things right there, I think those are pretty good examples of stuff that will help the school educate our children better. So... It seems like a pretty worthy um, need for which to fundraise. But I don't think we should fundraise for the sake of fundraising. You know, that seems kind of dumb. So I've got a lot to learn there. But I'm just throwing myself in the deep end and saying, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I'm a human. I can, I can, you know, catch up with you people, like f- learn, you know, learn new people and learn new systems and engage with the administration and show up for things and schedule my time out so that I can make time for, for what's important to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking that under my wing, you know, and, and then even within that, I'm learning what I don't have control over there. And then I also need to kind of set expectations and boundaries for myself so that I don't get obsessed with it and, you know, step on anybody's toes or overexert myself and get burnt out and then hate it, you know? So it's kind of a balancing act, but it's so far so good um, in terms of making me feel like a grown-up and like a grown-ass man, you know? Like, um, I'm holding down my fort and I'm trying to live locally. And that that starts with, you know, for me, it started with my kid's school. To be honest, this is kind of funny. A little inside baseball here. I think part of the reason I was so motivated to join the PTO and get involved in something at a local level is that we were going to this church is kind of a mega church around here and like, you know, coming back to maintaining traditions, you know, I've, I've got my own journey with uh, the whole religion thing. And, um, it, and by my whole journey, my, my own journey, I mean, kind of like a pretty, pretty large distance between what I actually think and believe versus what they would want me to think and believe if I show up and attend you know, um, no, they're very welcoming. I, I don't get the sense that they would want me to like prescribe to their, um, actually I do. <laughs> they're, they're, they're a little kooky. They're like, lives are in the balance. Souls are in the balance. Um, actually, I don't know. It, it just, it, it comes with some, like 85% of it. I'm like, okay, you know, this is good life advice. Like I've, that's nice. It's nice to take this moment to reflect on that. And, oh, there's wisdom in, in, in these old scriptures and man, you know, this feels really good. It feels like home because this is what I was used to growing up to. Well, not the mega church vibe, uh, the mega church. Like it's almost like you're t- attending a Ted talk because they keep the message so centralized while, distributing it to as many lives as they can. Um, they also call it winning lives when you convert someone into the church. And I'm just like winning. I'm, 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 I'm over it. I'm not a competitive person. Like you guys can, 
you guys can take your ball and, and play with it how you like. Um, but, uh, I digress. Um, what the hell was I talking about? <laughs> that was a long time running. Um, tradition at the church. Um, the PTO. Why did I start talking about the church? Oh, yeah. So the reason I joined the PTO was <laughs> one. So we were kind of quietly attending this church. I didn't want to make too big of a deal. You know, people are noticing that we're new and they're saying hello and they're very welcoming. They've got this whole systematic way of welcoming you in. And, you know, it's very kind of um, convenient and hip and organized and like, you know, like Apple stores and, and McDonald's and Chipotle's, you know, it's just kind of all very, very convenient, almost too convenient if you ask me. Um, but there, they had this one service day where, and, and I get where they're coming from because for a lot of people, this is going to be so, so good for them is they said, Hey guys, you know, like this week we're recruiting volunteers because it takes so many volunteers to put on a service each, each month. And then the cynical part of my brain was like, well, where's all the money going? Um, assuming that people contribute. Cause I, I didn't contribute that much. I think I might've thrown in a couple bucks at the Christmas service when my parents were with me <laughs> just, just to try to sh- act like that's what I do normally. But no, I'm not tithing as they call it in the, uh, in the Christian tradition, tithing. I don't know if it's a Christian word or a finance word or I don't know, but that, that, that's the only association that I have with it is tithing your, your 10%. This one, this one sermon, this one guy said like, and it, it should be your first dollar. Cause if you trust God with those other nine, great things are going to happen. And I was like, fuck that shit. This guy is telling people to potentially give to a church organization if they don't already have their finances in order. I much prefer Sam Harris's approach to um, fundraising and like his subscription model of uh, content. If you're not familiar with him, Sam Harris is an atheist, so pretty much the opposite end of the spectrum. I think he thinks that it would be a gl- great leap forward in, in mankind's mental evolution if we basically did away with all religions anyway um keep the good parts and just just abolish the the silly parts um but that's kind of a sad position to take because you know is is christmas is more than santa claus you know don't take the christ out of christmas you know santa santa can only he can only go so far he's busy he's he's busy handing out presents Who's going to save the souls? Got to leave that up to Christ. Um, no, so Sam Harris, uh, on the contrary, says, uh, you know, only give to this show if if that's $5 that, uh, you know, that you could throw away on a cup of coffee. And the rest of your financial, you know, finances and the rest of your economic life is such that it, this is not a burden. It's a sponsorship, but not a sacrifice. You know, in stark contrast to the give your first dollar to Christ and the the other and trust him with the other nine. And but I mean, so their point is kind of tricky, because if you're giving your first dollar to Christ and you start tithing um, and you're like, I'm going to give this first dollar to the church, which means out of ten dollars, you give the first dollar. That's 10 percent. 
that's kind of a, a benchmark for the uh, your your soul is safe uh, in the eyes of the church administration. Right? You give less than 10%, it's like, okay, well, thanks for trying. You give more than 10%, and you're like, hey, man, if you want, you can go murder a couple hookers, and you're still getting into heaven. Um, and if you give none, like I do, unless it's the Christmas service in front of your parents, then uh, they, they every once in a while have to have a service where they make you feel guilty about it. So, And remind you of all the volunteers that it takes to, to put the place together. So I'm like, all right, so those are volunteers, so we have to give our time and our money? And, uh, see, that's the cynic in me. See, the, the beautiful part of it is people do go volunteer and they find something meaningful to do with their Sunday morning. They, they create a community because they're working together with the church administration. And, uh, and, you know, they put on this really, really beautiful event, um, you know, called church and it becomes more of a community and, and, you know, it's a uh, faith without acts is empty is sort of the way that the, uh, <clears throat> they even told us to read that. I think it's in James. Um, so I did go read it. Every once in a while, I do read the Bible to see what's in there. What the hell's in there? It makes people upset and crazy all the time. So I, I should actually go check it out and find out what's in there. So I read a little James. Uh, <laughs> not the giant peach like I did back when I was in school. So I read a little, read a little James and it was like faith without acts is empty. Right? It's in your work. What do you do? What do you want? <laughs> Ryan Gosling in the notebook. What do you want? Um, you know, if you don't act out your faith and your belief and your values, right? So it's funny. Sam Harris and the, and the church want us to get to the same place. They want us to act out of va- a value system that is that that is self-critical or self-aware and self-critical and striving to do the greatest good so it's funny they take different angles at trying to approach the same sort of like hey everybody don't be a dick you know first do no harm and then if you can get your shit together well enough that you can go help other people go do that please because it's fucking it's a mess out there it's chaos you know and uh, entropy is the natural state of things you know, it takes a lot of energy to put life together. Um, life wants to fall apart, right? Entropy is the falling apart of things. Um, well, I guess life might, life does want to replicate and organize, but like it's, it's very costly. It's very energetic to keep a life alive. It, it requires other things to die. The other day, man, I heard something uh, kind of blew my mind. And again, I used the other day, but it was absolutely like, a year ago or many, many months ago. But uh, the other day I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and he had uh, Duncan Trussell on and this guy was just, he's, he's just waxing on about really um, trippy philosophies and his own zany approach to life and what he observes. But one of the things that he read from, I don't know, some sort of ancient Indian script um, was like, you know, the, or I think he was talking about how there's in, in the Indian tradition, the Hindu tradition, there's like gods of, of war and gods of destruction, like Shiva, right? Is a God of destruction. I think, is that the one in um, Indiana Jones and the temple of doom that they refer to? Or is that something different? Um, Harrison Ford was in blade runner. I got to remember to talk about that later. Okay, cool. Um, and, you know, there's gods of destruction because like we do, we do kind of need some concepts, be them supernatural or, or, you know, natural and, and scientific 
to, d- to describe and, and live side by side with acts of destruction. You know, a, f- a fucking uh, lightning and th- thunderstorm comes through and the lightning hits a tree and a whole forest burns up and, you know, millions of critters lose their homes and, you know, people die and I, I don't know, you know. Um, tsunamis, uh, random acts of violence, you know, things that are out of our control. Um, those things can happen. And, you know, the, actually, the, those are even less less so the example that I should point out. I should point out something as simple as what I had to eat today. Because it, it I needed energy for my being to continue. And so I ate some shit. I, <laughs> not, not shit. I've actually been eating really healthy. This is a whole nother tangent. I'll try to finish up what I'm talking about before moving on to what I've been eating in the Blade Runner. Um, really pumped up today. Okay. Uh, so, you know, gods of destruction and things. So I had to wake up and eat something. And, and it's like, okay, so if you zoom out, the thing that Duncan Trussell said was in the ancient, you know, ancient wisdom is that life is constantly digesting itself. And I was like, whoa, what does that mean? Like, what what does that even mean? And I think it means, you know, it takes energy to keep energy going. So there's this constant sort of struggle for energy. And, um, you know, um, the, the baby goose, the little gosling, the little Ryan gosling gets eaten by the fox. Um you know, or, or gets, gets killed by the fox so the fox can feed it to her little baby fox cubs, you know? And it's the circle of life skimming on my hip body. Um, I guess that was a long way to just make the same point that a fucking Disney movie made. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's it's one thing to hear that point and then another thing to absorb it and and live with the ramifications of it you know um so anyway they have this recruitment day at the church and i was like uh, instantly instantly anxious you know all the oh shit i start start kind of sweating in my clench my ass cheeks and i'm just like oh jesus here comes the hard sell man they just set it up our fucking soul is in the balance and if we don't volunteer we're gonna be fucked and I'm like, oh, man, this is really uncomfortable. And I was just kind of like, there's this vibe in the room of, you know, and they're either addressing, well, here are the main reasons why people say they don't volunteer. And one is I'm underqualified. Well, you can't be, you know, come and we'll show you. It's really easy. We've got these onboarding practices all sorted out and excellent, you know, guides to help you through. And, you know, you won't be thrown in the deep end. You know, we're here to help. So un- underqualified, that doesn't really count. Don't sell yourself short. You've everyone has something to offer. Everyone has something to offer. So, and then other things like uh, I'm not, you know, I think one was like I'm not worthy, and then they were like, well, you know, Christianity and 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 Christ gave his his body and his his life for forgiveness. So we were all we are we are all sinners. We will all take missteps, but we are forgiven because we believe in Christ. And, um, and so, so that's, that's out and they, they basically tick off another, like two or three other common excuses. And I was like, well, shit, they just addressed all of mine. What, what am I going to say? It was like super, you know, high sales tactics, motivational tactics. Um, and 
and even at the end they go and we're gonna have small groups gather here here and here and here so if you're interested in this go do that and if you're interested in helping out with the child care go do this if you want to bring the bread and the wine up in the in the middle of the service go talk to these people and they they had little small groups break out you know and it was like you felt the social pressure from being in a room together to go you know say Say hi to somebody and meet your neighbor and put on a smile and uh, God bless you. So nice of you to do this. And uh, why, why am I so bitter? I don't know. I think I've been listening to too much Sam Harris. You know, these people are really, really the salt of the earth. And it's it's the tradition that I come from. That's I spent so much time doing that in high school. Um and it's so important to my my you know my family's history on one side of the family more so than the other I would say um so I got to kind of balance that out too but uh but yeah so I'm not really buying it you know I'm like hey this is something that I was going you know if if I got to a place where I felt moved to come help I would come help and frankly it seems like you guys are doing fine you got plenty of fucking volunteers with your little church shirts on all over the place and you know some guy manning the grill every sunday and selling hot dogs and hamburgers and that's great and thank you you know that's really really cool i appreciate it I'm, this isn't really what i'm trying to do right now uh you know i've got all these other things going on too busy oh i'm too busy if you can't find time for god what good is your other time no, uh, so so the funny thing is, is that all this messaging kind of hits home, and I was like, "Fuck, I really should do something." So I go, and I go stand with the group of people in the back of the room that's interested in the production elements, the lights and the sound, and you know, there's there's a band that plays in the beginning of the the service because it's like a mega church thing. They're like, "We'll rock out for Christ," and then we'll have a message. Um, get you with this shiny, nice groove, and then turn it over to the teaching pastor. Tell you why you're going to hell. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and then, so I'm like, all right, well, shit, of, of all this stuff, you know, I don't want to be, you know, wiping kids' noses in the child care and teaching them dumbed down version of Noah and the Ark or something. And I, you know, I guess I could be the parking guy. I could totally see myself being the parking guy. That's just like, all right, come over here, park over here, wearing a vest and waving those little orange cone things to direct traffic, become all buddy with the other parking guys, you know, that'd be kind of fun. But, uh, I was like, Hey, you know what? This could be an opportunity. My, the selfish worldly gene in me just was figured out a way to try to manifest itself here. I was like, I could go learn about like audio and video and lighting production, you know, stuff that I don't already know by, uh, help helping out volunteering. And I still might do it. But, uh, so I go say hi and the, the, the hard sales pitch continues. You know, they immediately get your contact info. Oh yeah. We'll be following up with you guys. Oh, great. Great. That's exactly what I wanted. Another thing in my inbox. Really appreciate it. But you give it to them with a smile on your face. Make sure you write your email address nice and legibly. Um, 
and then had a really delightful conversation and met some other nice folks and we talked about what goes on back there and how how they ease you in and they have your shadow at first and then you know you partner up with their guy that watches you push the buttons and it's it's kind of a time commitment because we get here really early to make sure everything's going to be perfect because it's a mega church thing so it's a big production and i was like man this guy's so nice i was like maybe i'm gonna do this and then he tried to call me a couple times and i, I kind of let it go to voicemail and i was like oof, that's that's not a good sign if you're not answering somebody's call and you hear the voicemail and you're not eager to call him back it's like oh fuck my gut is not into this i uh, you know my gut is not into this so i was like shit I let a couple days go by and I, and I start feeling bad again. I'm getting guilty. I, you know, what do I do? I just talk into a microphone by myself and make music in my computer by myself and go play gigs for people that are half listening. You know, what, what kind of local community life is that? You know, just barely checking my kids' homework to make sure that their folder's right, you know, before they go back to school. I was starting to get really hard on myself. I was like, fuck, I got to call this guy back. So I call the guy back. And we play a little phone tag, which is probably, um, that's probably the gift of God from, from this whole interaction (laughs) that I lucked out that we didn't actually speak on the phone, um, because it was easier to just kind of blow him off in in the voicemail or, you know, give him some half-hearted like, Hey, you know, we've been really busy, uh, a lot going on here, but, uh, you know, I hope you're doing great and and we'll, we'll see you around at service, you know, just kind of gave him the lip service. And then kind of dawned on me. I was like, well, I, you know, I got this email about volunteering at the kid's school. And I was like, ooh, a secular, local, meaningful opportunity that like impacts my kids and will help me understand the lay of the land of public education better. It's like, yeah, there we go. That's, that's the one for me. So I threw my name in the hat with that and and haven't thought twice about not volunteering at church. And I'm just like, oh, fuck that. I I volunteered over here instead. I channeled the same, like, good worthiness of of the cause and and of the message and then uh, volunteered with the other group, which is like an anti-conversion. If you think about it in marketing terms, you're always trying to convert your customer into doing what it is you want. You know, you, if you, if I land on a web page and you want me to buy a t-shirt from you, how are you going to do that? And if I do it, then I'm a conversion. Well, this is like the anti-conversion. They got me all pumped up to volunteer, but I was just, I had a little too much of a chip on my shoulder about the way that they do business and religion in general. And I was like, fuck that. I'm going to go volunteer at the school. So, wow, that was a long way around to, uh, to get to the end of that story. But I think well worth it. I had fun. Are you guys having fun? Um, let's see here. Blade Runner 2049 was pretty cool. Uh, very good. A lot of slow walking in colory scenes. I noticed that, you know, my, I kind of had a surface level reaction, which was the, the music was pretty trippy and weird. And they used colors a lot. Uh, the landscapes were pretty cool. Um, I enjoyed the story. Although there was something that I thought was really unbelievable about it, which was, spoiler alert, um, it'd be funny if we had a sound, like in, instead of saying spoiler alert, if there was a certain siren sound, like, ooga, 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 <laughs> like just do that instead of saying spoiler alert, 
what if that caught on in like so you know social media and and uh like tv and stuff you know movie reviewer comes on he's like the guy that you love dies at the end of the movie um spoiler alert um so the part that I thought was unbelievable was when the villain played by Jared Leto recreates Rachel, who is a character from the original movie. And, and to be honest, I only saw, I only remember like three quarters of the original movie. I, maybe I saw it when I was younger or baked or, you know, late at night. It's cause sometimes, um, you know, I'll be scrolling through movies to watch and my wife's already asleep and I'll, I'll start it really late. And that's the kind of one that I would pick because I was like, yeah, she probably doesn't want to watch this together. I only watch so many movies in a year and most of them are with her. So I, if I'm watching a movie by myself, sometimes I've got this criteria in my selection process. that's like, what's a movie that I want to watch that my wife doesn't want to watch other than porn. That doesn't count. Um, just kidding. I, I try not to do that. Um, but, uh, so I don't remember much about the original Blade Runner. You know, Harrison Ford was all young and, and hunky and he meets this, uh, replicant Rachel, right. Or, or, you know, he's, he's got this assignment to go hunt down this, this woman. And I, I had to brush up on the plot points of the original before going to see Blade Runner 2049, because, you know, I just kind of wanted to make sure I had a lay of the land before going into this new movie in case it wasn't entirely standalone. And I remember, you know, so at the, at the end of Blade Runner original, this Rachel character, it's kind of ambiguous what happens with him, but he kind of falls in love with her and they're both replicants and, you know, they are, are something, I don't know, the details get, get a little murky. But anyway, the, the villain in this next movie um, tries to present Harrison Ford's character, Deckard, with a copy of, you know, his, his, the love of his life. And he's basically trying to like, um, I don't know, like uh, appeal his way into Deckard cooperating to find the ch- um, the child. I, I almost stopped myself because it was, um, no, there is a there's a child in the in the story, an important one that people look for. That's kind of the main story. You could tell this story in like six lines, and it takes him almost three hours to do it. Um, it's like a six line children's story. Um, but no, it's, it's really beautifully made. And, uh, I mean that Ryan Gosling, he's easy on the eyes. Um, he makes me a little bi-curious. No, no, no. It's just that, uh, I don't know. Maybe just kidding. At, at my age, when you're 33 and you've been with the same woman for 10 years, you, you, you get comfortable with yourself in a way that you, 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 you know, any, any guy that says he can't tell when a guy's good looking is full of shit. Yeah. Okay. So the part I didn't believe was Deckard says, uh, she had green eyes and he turns away from her. And I was like, how, how does this mad genius villain guy mess up her eye color in the age of like replicating you know, making fake human, like kind of robot humans that are so realistic, he overlooks a tiny detail like eye color. I don't know. I had a tough time believing that. Um, otherwise, I mean, it, it did get a little long and slow at some points. I was like, okay, we get it. We get it slowly walking through a tense situation. We understand. 
but uh, it, it it was cool. The, the music made me want to come home, and if I had a week to myself of uninterrupted time, I would be tempted to try to make some like 55-minute long ambient ramble fucking trippy soundscape thing, you know, um, as if it was the score to a wacky movie. And just sort of like weird effects and just crazy tones and then like swelling strings and the orchestra goes la da da and then it's back to like industrial sounding weirdness and then like pitch shift it down and be like create a drone for the next layer to come or something that sounded a little too happy too too much like pop music maybe maybe that's uh every every action has an equal and opposite reaction so i've been working so hard on these on these kind of poppy sounding tunes with with the producer guy that you know that part of my brain that just wants to explore and create and you know kind of like brian eno Brian Eno is a guy that has some like exploratory soundscapey type shit. David Bowie went through a phase of exploratory soundscapey type shit. So, you know, I would love to get to that point at some point. Um, but it it seems like that would be the wrong direction to go in at this point. I should try to get good at making a three minute, you know, thing sound good. Um, before trying to tackle a 55 minute long thing. So I'll put that in the on the side burner um and i'm not even going to turn that burner on yet because i'm still cooking my turkey and it's going to be a while until i need to get these uh these green beans getting steamed over here on the side side burner those are the green beans i need to work on the turkey um so happy halloween everybody i hope you enjoy it it's coming up coming up pretty soon gonna have a party have my friends over have see uh have some activities for the kids so that it hopefully doesn't get too out of hand and uh hopefully have a couple drinks flowing with my friends and my family my friends and family and uh just oh oh, so the other the other thing going on is uh sorry i had to just kind of like clear my nose and throat i didn't mean to do that on the microphone that was gross um, oh man, and I just tooted too, and my toot smells terrible because of the thing that I want to talk about next, which is healthy eating. My wife comes home the other day, the other day, um, last week on Tuesday, no, 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 Monday night last week, she goes, so hey, uh, I'm going to do this new fitness diet, you in? And I was like, oh Jesus, I, uh, I've never really been a dieter, I kind of just believe in, um, you know, eating a healthy mix, a healthy balance and staying active enough. Well, well, guess what? I don't really have the willpower to do that if I'm not paying attention. So I was like, sure, let's give it a try. My wife's all into the fitness right now and she wants to eat right to make sure that she's given her body what it needs to repair and uh, slim down a little. And uh, that's, that's pretty cool. So I was all on board for hopping in there with her and you know, it's kind of extreme. <laughs> it's just like meats and veggies, you know, like multiple times a day, making sure you're eating enough so that it's easy not to make shitty choices. Um, so she's been like that first night she went to the grocery store, came back with like 
multiple pounds of ground beef and just started browning up ground beef in like minimal seasoning for us to eat during the week. And she was like, I'm going to meal plan and we're going to have eight ounces of ground beef and a cup of veggies three times a day. And then we'll have fish at night. And here you need these fiber gummies to make sure that you're pooping. Okay. Because this is going to be a pretty dense diet and we're going to completely eliminate sugar. And I was like, Holy shit, this is pretty drastic. But so here's the deal. Here's what I discovered by trying this. And I did try it with, you know, um, I, I, tr- I tried it out the first couple of days. I was like religiously trying to do this. And it, w- it was a couple of things because it was so extreme. It was easy to simplify down. And then as you learn what your body needs, you can adopt, um, adjust and, and, and adapt to uh, your body's needs and, and a more palatable diet for long-term health. Cause this was like a two week cut is what it's called. It's like a mini cut for, and she got it from like a weightlifting buddy. He was like, Hey, you want to lose, lose weight and, and build muscle over two weeks? Here's what you need to eat. And, uh, you know, meats and veggies, meats and veggies, keep it lean, keep it, keep it protein, protein and fat, bring it in your body your, your body won't have any sugar to burn off. You're still exercising. You're still going about your daily day and uh, your body learns to burn fat instead of sugar. So that's the idea. And, um, it was pretty cool. It brought, it brought about a whole new layer of self-awareness into what I was eating and what I was putting in my body. You know, all of a sudden that like Coke that you drink with lunch, because it's delightful and refreshing and tastes good. Nice and cold, nice cold cola out of the fridge. Um, you're like, Oh, I can't have that. Sorry. You know, it's not, not going to happen. And then, you know, what's cool is then, and then you don't get that sugar crash. Um, you know, sugar may be the enemy, right? Um, diabetes, you know, you can eat yourself into a disease. So why wouldn't you want to train your mind and your body to be disciplined enough to, to just enjoy those things, you know, once in a while, almost like they're a drug, you know, like I, well, if you do that every day, you're going to die, you know, (laughs) it's going to be miserable. You need it every once in a while as a treat. What, what drugs are we talking about? I should probably, probably clarify there, but, um, for the sake of anonymity, since I still report to the man, man, I'm going to leave that one up uh, for interpretation. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really cool. And, and then to see the effects of like your water weight comes off, you think, you know, you trim down, like there's kind of a nice immediate, like one or two pounds that you shed just, just by, you know, switching up your diet and then you're still exercising and then you see the results. And I found it's really easy to eat healthy if I exercise. So it's like self-reinforcing because I exercise. I'm like, well, fuck now I don't want McDonald's because that would undo all that hard work I just did. So, yeah, and then, and then when I'm eating healthy, I'm like, ah, this is so like, I'm being so good. I should go exercise because my body wants to burn this fuel and I'm going to like, you know, get a little shredded in my older age. I haven't given up on the idea of, of being pretty fit and healthy. And frankly, it might just transition right into like old man bird eating. You know how like old people eat like birds? Either you completely give up and you eat whatever you want all the time, or you like find the weight that's healthy for your body and you eat, you know, veggies and and meats and, you know, the occasional uh, treat thing. 
but for the most part you like you you self-regulate like i remember my grandfather um would eat a bowl of oatmeal pretty much every day and then uh you know that was his breakfast it was like a bowl of oatmeal and a cup of tea and that's what his body wanted to, to get the day going and like he you know would deviate from that every once in a while but not by much so I think at some point you just get kind of get, kind of get bored of eating and you're like, I don't just like, I don't even want to have the choice to make. So that was the other thing is because I wasn't making choices about the food I was going to eat. I was just like heating up beef and beans, um, green beans, not, not bean beans, but green beans. And, uh, and eating that for a few meals in a row, uh, it was fun in the morning. We just have an egg whites. I was like, I tried it once by itself, and I was like, this is fucking gross. I need an egg. So I, I crack an egg in and then do like, th- you know, three parts egg white, one part egg, egg. Stir that up and give it a, at least a little bit of color and, and flavor. Those egg whites by themselves are pretty gross, if you ask me. Um, and then uh, there's things you can do with the egg whites. Like my buddy uh, told us to put peanut butter on them and pretend they're a pancake. I was like, all right, I'll try that. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. It's pretty good actually. Um, but for me, this wasn't such a drastic change for my wife. She like loved putting cheese on things and loved eating lunch out. Like I, I already kind of ate pretty lean, uh, by choice. So this was not terribly drastic for me, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a learning thing and it just kind of brought this level of awareness. Like I said, to what I'm eating, how I'm exercising, you know, how I'm spending my time and freed up my time and my mind to, all right, what's next on the list? You know, I know what I'm eating later. It's not like a whole uh, to do, um, like to figure out what, well, what are we going to cook later? It's just like, oh, well, you know, my wife cooked up some chicken the other day. I'm going to pull that out and put some hot sauce on it and, and eat it. Um, and, along, and then side by side with this raw pepper, you know, a raw bell pepper. And a glass of water. So, I don't know. It's pretty cool, though. It's uh, it's cool to feel empowered, right? So, it comes back full circle to the serenity prayer. Because what you put in your body and what I put in my body and the result of the body that I have, you know, is, is a function of my own control. So, there you have it. God grant me the strength to control what I can. The grace to deal with all that bullshit that I can't control. And the wisdom to know the difference. This has been a treat. Enjoy 99 Shades of Crazy for my mama. She she recommended that I learn the song, so I wanted to go full full out and record it. Um, So I did that yesterday. Believe it or not, this was all in one day because I can get obsessed about things and work on them very, very hard uh, with lots of focus at the exclusion of all outs. yeah, and and actually, so this was my second attempt at this song. I got a recording of it down that I tried to just do without a click track and without like the program drums and stuff, and it wasn't quite the same result or exercise that I wanted it to be. I wanted this uh, to be me practicing getting songs to sound legit. Um, so give me your feedback. I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, also, any suggestions for a tune to do this with? and use on the podcast. All right, uh, 11-2 at Listening Room, and uh, hope you're doing well, and um, and uh, keep fighting the good fight. Peace. I can't agree to disagree Fighting like I'm fighting for life They're only words, but they cut like a blade 
swinging wide with all of my mind. Oh yeah, I guess it's all of this coffee that's got my mind in a whirl. I'm still a cussing and bitching, and there ain't nobody here. Oh yeah, you don't have to holler. Yeah. 